0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to BibleStudyPodcast.org. I am your host, John Krause, and today is Friday, July fifteenth, two 2011. And thank you once again for downloading this podcast and joining me. As we dig a little further in the first Peter, I hope you've been enjoying the podcast so far and are getting something out of them. And you may have noticed there's been uh, two weeks between the last two podcasts instead of one week as normal I've gone on a little bit of an extended schedule here with the podcast i've been extremely busy and I'm training for a marathon in october which requires me to run a lot of miles and you know with my job and family and putting in the amount of miles i have to put in per week it's it's really straining my time that i have to research and you know of course i want to be able to put together a, a quality uh, product here for you and uh, you know I want to do my best with this because we are discussing God's Word, so I don't want to kind to kind of put a, a half-put-together product out there. So there will probably be two weeks in between the podcast um, at worst. Um, I, I really am going to try to do it weekly, but if not, it's, it's probably going to be uh, bi-weekly here for a little while until I run the marathon. And uh, wish me luck. I enjoy it. I did it last year. I ran five half marathons and one full marathon last year with some 5 and 10Ks scattered in there, and I ran about 1,000 miles. Last year, I've run a little less than that this year because I had to take off a little bit. But um, but here on the last 16 weeks, I think until the uh, until the marathon, it's going to take up quite a bit of time and a lot of miles of running. So, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get start with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word. Lord, we come before you today as your humble children. We just eager to learn more about you and what is expected of us. We love you, Lord, and we ask you to bless this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, okay, we're going to be going through 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 20-22. through 22. I'll go ahead and read. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Now, a little recap. Verses 20 and 21 are really a continuation of the sentence in verses 17 through 19. And if you remember that, the point in verse 17, the command that we should conduct ourselves in fear during our time of stay on this earth... Then verses 18 and 19 gave us kind of an interesting reason as to why we should fear. We should fear because we have been ransomed from our futile way of life by the infinitely precious blood of Christ. And the way we explained it in last podcast was to say that the more precious the price paid to rescue you from a life of sin, the more horrible and, and fearful it is to take that price and make it a permission for sinning to take it for granted and just to take that as well you know i'm going to be forgiven so i can just kind of do whatever i want that's not what we're supposed to do there are many of us that will abuse and take for granted that precious price paid to try and cover a life lived in sin please notice that i say try to fund their life their sinful life try is used obviously because god will not allow it that, that's why in verse 17 it says, Conduct yourselves in fear of such a thing. Fear of trying to use the ransom of God to basically subsidize sinning. You know, the most amazing thing about verses 18 and 19 is that the reason given for why we should fear is the greatness of God's mercy. That the blood and death of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, paid an infinitely precious price for our deliverance from our futile sinful lives. Okay, verse 20 I'll go ahead and read it again. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Peter's reminding us of the infinite nature of God here and what Jesus was sent here to do. God planned our salvation before the fall of humanity. When, you know, when it comes to God, there is no before, and there is no after, there is no beginning, and there is no end. The meaning of the verb foreordained or, or foreknown is to know in advance, to know about something prior to some temporal reference point. Before creation, God already knew about his plan to send Jesus to earth to redeem us, to redeem humanity. So before Genesis 1-1, in you know, the creation story, God foreordained Jesus as our Redeemer. That was before time or space ever existed and before Adam ever sinned. Acts chapter 15 verse 18 tells us that God knew the plan long before us, quote, known to God from eternity or all his works, end quote. Now here's two verses uh, that are telling us about God doing things before the creation of the world. In Titus chapter 1 verse 2 it says, quote, in hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began you know God promised eternal life before time began and in second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 it says who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began God both saved and called us according to his purpose and grace before time began You know, what's amazing here is that God not only foresaw Calvary, but he was the one who arranged it before time began. This is amazing. Acts chapter 2, verse 23 says, Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. Now, we often think that it was people who put Jesus to death. And this verse says it was God who predetermined Jesus' death. Jesus' death was no random act. This wasn't a oops kind of thing. God the Father gave humanity, that gave the humanity of Christ the right to decide when and he, where he would die. And John chapter 10 verse 18 says, quote, "No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father." Quote. So think about this salvation was not an afterthought to god after creation god did not decide because uh, humanity had royally messed things up for ourselves that he was going to have to now send someone to fix things this is not what happened the need for our redemption was not an emergency fix kind of event god was not feeling some sort of pressure to right any kind of wrong you know that the genius of god's design is our redemption from his standpoint it is an eternally present fact. The idea of redemption was no kind of, to use kind of a football analogy here, a Hail Mary pass to try to save us. And that's American football, by the way. (laughs) Jesus' sacrifice for us was part of God's eternal design. The eternal council existed before the created order. Humanity's fall did not take God by surprise. Ransom in Christ was God's eternal plan. In the last half of verse 20, quote, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Jesus came to redeem people from their bondage and sin. Verse 20 plainly says that he was manifest, quote, for you, end quote. He came to set us free. And free from what? Free from all the things that bind us. Peter portrays salvation in a very significant way. He portrays the Son of God as the servant of, whom the Father has sent to redeem His chosen ones. It is the Father who chose or predestined or foreknew the Son. Our salvation was the plan of the Father in eternity past. Before He created the world, God sent the Son to save us for our own benefit. What was planned and purposed long before has now appeared to us in Christ Jesus. As God the Father sent the Son, so it is He who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him. And for this reason, our faith and hope are ultimately in the Father because of what Jesus did. Verse 21: Who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Now, this one's a little more difficult, but I think the point is through Christ, His Spirit, obtained for us in his resurrection and ascension, enabling us to believe. Because of what Christ did, we are able to believe. Peter is telling us our faith and trust in God comes through Jesus and his resurrection. Because if he didn't resurrect, all is for naught. We're all wasting our time. But he resurrected. He ascended into heaven. Praise God for that. God raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. In verse 22, quote, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart, end quote. Now, if we remember back, way back to episode one, we talked about Peter writing to scatter groups who represented the first Christians in an otherwise thoroughly pagan world. Through God's mercy, they had been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and that was 1 Peter chapter 3. These scattered groups of believers were made up of both Jews and Gentiles, which was a, a really radical cultural mix for that, that day. These Christians were being persecuted for their faith. We see it today in our family, stress and suffering, especially in these times, these, these, these stressful times now with the economy. Stress and suffering turns and makes people irritable. And in turn, that can turn into conflict and trigger frictions that otherwise might not exist in your family or between your neighbors or your you know extended family. Now, Peter, after showing them that being a Christian requires a holy lifestyle, this new birth that demands a new love in the family of God, And we talked about holiness in in previous episodes, and Peter stated, and this is in chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, we went into this lengthy rationale as to why Christians must be holy. And what was the reason? It's because our Heavenly Father is also our judge, and we have been redeemed by his precious blood, and he is also holy, so we are commanded to be holy. Peter's doing a, a similar thing here with the subject of love. First, Peter states something that is true of his readers due to their conversion. They have purified their souls in obedience to the truth for a sincere love of the brethren. Then he states the consequent demand: quote, Fervently love one another from the heart. End quote. To understand verse 22 properly, we must see that Peter is talking about something that takes place at conversion or, or, or a new birth. If this were not so, Peter could not state as he does that this purity of the soul in obedience to the truth was true of his readers. At conversion, a person begins a new life of obedience to the truth of God's revelation in Jesus Christ. You know, this outward symbol of this obedience to the truth is baptism, which is the symbol of an inward purification. Now, baptism is an outward event representing an inward event. Thus, when Peter talks about his readers purifying their souls in obedience to the truth, he's referring to this baptism of the soul So this holiness that Peter has been describing, holiness which stems from this new birth, must work itself out in the love for your fellow Christians. So having been chosen by the Father and set apart by the Holy Spirit and cleansed by the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, believers are given a living hope. We are to fix our hope on these blessings which are to be brought to us at the return of our Lord. The result should be a lifestyle of holiness and fear during our our time of pilgrimage on this earth. Our relationship with our fellow Christians should be characterized by a mutual love for one another, and this is made possible by the purification of our souls, a purification provided and accompanied by the Godhead, and which includes our obedience to the truth of the gospel. This purification of our soul's has made it possible to love one another without the selfish desires ambitions of the flesh, enabling us to sacrifice our lives for our brothers and sisters here. You know, the goal of the purification of our souls is a sincere love of our brethren. Love begins by the obedience to the Word. And in Second Peter chapter one verses five through seven it says tell it tells us more about this about continuing to grow in our obedience to the Word. So why is this fervent love important? it's a it's a demonstration of our discipleship like when uh, Jesus gave us that 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 command while Judas had gone to betray him and in John chapter thirteen verses thirty three to thirty five he commands us to love one another as he loved us and what was the reason for such a command from Jesus? you know this is to convince the world that we are Christ's disciples. Christ was love. Christ loved us, and if if we're going to represent Jesus, if we're going to be Christians, we have to love one another. That's how people will know us. You know, there is no Christ-like love in our actions when our actions betray what we say. When we say we're one way and we act another, people can see right through that. And we're called hypocrites. That's one of the number one things that Christians are accused of is being hypocrites. So we can't can't act that way. We can't have our, 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 our word that was given to us by God, conflict with our actions. You know, we may profess to be Christ's disciples, but failure to have a fervent love like Christ had for us will cause the world to doubt who we really are. And they'll doubt God, and they'll doubt Christianity because of the way we act. You know, the love of the brethren is, love of the brethren is an indication that we have passed from a spiritual death to a spiritual life. And that's 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. Failure to love the brethren isn't, Indication that we are spiritually dead. If we don't love one another, we're not in Christ. We can't be. How we act demonstrates our relationship to God. God is love, and those who truly love have been born of God. And that's 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Failure to love leaves the impression that we have not been born again, and that we do not truly love God. Just think about it. If you see Christians around that don't act like Christians, it really, really sticks out. I know we've all seen it, and I know we're all aware of it. Those who are truly in Christ, you're aware when you catch yourself acting in a way you know is not right. It's it's not a good thing. You know, if we fail to love one another fervently like we are commanded with the sincerity and purity, it's an indication that first it, it, we're either, we haven't been purified or born again, or, not, or we're not allowing the love of God and Jesus to to help motivate us to help guide our thoughts and help guide our actions. Everything we do every day should be guided by our love of one another and God. That should be in everything that we do, all our decisions, and all our actions, and all our words. We should reflect Christ's love. You know, furthermore, failure to love one another fervently presents a picture to the world which really hurts our claim to of being true disciples of Christ. It really hurts our ability to say that we possess a spiritual life, and it really hurts us saying that we have a relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. So as you go on this next week, really think about what you do and say, and how you're loving one another. I know that we can all improve in this area. I know that we really could. Because this a world, when you look around, it's not a world that reflects Christ's love. And it starts with us, us Christians around the world. We really need to be out there reflecting what it is Jesus told us to do. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful study today. Lord, we thank you for being a loving God, Lord. We ask that you help clear our hearts so that we might become more like you. And forgive us when we try to change for the wrong reasons, Lord. Forgive us when we don't love when we should be loving more. Lord, help mold us and shape us into loving Christians that we may reflect your goodness and your love upon the earth. We love you so very much. We lift up this time of prayer and study to you, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for downloading this podcast. I hope it blessed you. I know it's blessed me doing it. And until next time, everyone, keep growing in your faith.
1: You are beautiful, 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 my heart. You are beautiful. Beautiful my Lord You are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful my Lord You are beautiful, beautiful my Lord He who dwells in your shelter Will rest in the shadow of the Almighty One He who in your shelter we'll Rest in the shadow of the Almighty One
2: to continue in our mission of teaching timeless truths in these truthless times. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today, and keep growing closer to Jesus.
1: You are beautiful, 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 my Lord. You are beautiful, beautiful, my God. See who dwells in your shelter. Rest in the shadow of the Almighty One and I will say to you, Savior You're my refuge, my sword, my God in whom I trust You are beautiful, 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 my Lord You are beautiful, beautiful, my Lord You are beautiful, 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 my Lord You are beautiful, beautiful, my God Cover me